Hey guys, in light of the current COVID-19 crisis, I am teaming up with Himalaya to show our support. From April 1st through the end of May, Himalaya will match the exact dollar amount for every active subscriber to our premium channel and donate it to direct relief to support our healthcare workers. Go to your favorite app store, download the Himalaya app, search for Personal Revolution, and subscribe to our premium channel to show your support. Let's fight this pandemic together. Heidi ho revolutionaries, it is time for episode six. Oh, yeah, baby. We're at the halfway point, right? So you know your goal. You're trying to get happy. You've looked at how awesome your life is. You're writing love letters to your first grade teachers. All good, man. All good. This is really fun stuff. And now we're going to turn it up a notch. You're going to connect with and expand your network, meaning it's time for the less easy stuff. We're going to go for something a little harder. But before I even get into this episode, remember prep sheet. Did you do your prep sheet before this episode? Of course you did because you're a star. So the prep sheet is every week before you listen to the new episode, because I know it's like candy and you can't wait, but you got to eat dinner before you have dessert sugar. So that prep sheet is downloadable from the community section of the app where you're listening to this. First thing is to write down your goal. Second thing is look at where you are on a scale of one to 10 toward achieving your goal. What have you accomplished since you listened to episode five? What didn't you get done but wanted to do? What opportunities are in front of you right now in addition to listening to this amazing podcast course? By the end of this course today, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? And anything else, any insights or new awarenesses that excite you, right? You gave yourself a couple actions to take in addition to the one I gave you, right? That letter to write, the happiness practice to take. How's it all going, right? Do your prep to check in with yourself. And of course, I love scaling, right? So where are you on a scale of one to 10 toward achieving your goal? That's amazing. Week to week, that should be moving. And if it's not moving forward, I want to hear about it. I want to hear about what is working on the community center. I want to hear about what's not working in the community area. Like, let's get it out there. I'm here. I've done this because I want to help you move the needle. I'm not doing it for the fun of it. I'm doing it for impact, right? So help me help you have impact. Bam, we're done. Moving forward, connect and expand with your network. That's the name of the game today. We're connecting with and expanding your network. Last time we went for the soft, friendly folks, right? The people we know, we love, we feel all the warm fuzzies about. Now we're gonna go, we're gonna go to a new country, right? We're gonna go to a new place. We're gonna do something new because I am hoping that last week you had so much fun reconnecting with people. You felt so good and capable, like a big, soft, warm bath, right? What do you do? You go into the sauna, then you do the cold shower. This is sort of your cold shower. That's okay. You can do it. You're ready for it. You're doing big things, and away we go. Now, in the last episode, my objective was to help you identify your existing network. In this chapter, we're going to expand that network, asking the people you know to help you as you move toward your goal. To best accomplish that, you'll need to get clear on what you need and what you have to offer. Most importantly, I'd like to help you connect in a way that makes you feel good about asking for and receiving help. Last time we made that beautiful spider web, you looked at the people. Now we're going in there and being specific and making the ask. Here's your first reflection stop point. Have you ever introduced two people? 
Have you ever helped someone meet their spouse? Get a new job? Make a friend in a new town? Give someone directions when they're lost on Houston Street? Recount the entire story. Put yourself back in that time and place. How did you help those people? How did it make you feel? Now dig deep. Try to remember two or three occasions where you made an introduction for someone that was useful for them. Hey, Allison, I want you to meet so-and-so. Hey, Cassidy, Allison would be great for you to know. Right? Think about an introduction you made. Now, when you think about expanding your network, asking the people you know to make introductions for you, remember that you are inviting these people to do good and feel good. So yeah, I just said something a little wild. When you're asking someone to make an introduction, you're giving them a gift. Okay, seems a little crazy and a little, maybe even a little arrogant, but this has roots, right? This has biblical roots, this has cultural roots. My roots, baby, we're gonna talk some Yiddish. Are you ready? Here it comes. You do an active chesed when you make a shidduch. That's something my Jewish grandmother would have said. What am I talking about? So just like we drew inspiration from Japanese customs in the last chapter, in this chapter, we'll continue to consider new ways of looking at situations based on other cultures. I am Jewish. I find that there are many concepts in the religion and culture that are applicable to my coaching work. Look at the Hebrew word chesed, right? Chesed is defined as loving kindness, grace, and compassion. Chesed. It's an action that is undertaken based on love or compassion for another. An act of chesed, right? Uh, when kids are given those little eggs that they're supposed to take care of in third grade and hopefully not break, they're trying to do an act of chesed. Watering a flower, feeding the stray cat, feeding pigeons on the corn. Acts of chesed, right? Loving kindness, grace, compassion, caretaking for another. A shadchen is a Hebrew term for matchmaker. And a shidduch is a mat. These all have the CH thing. I apologize, but it just, that's, I don't know, figure it out. You can say it. Shadchen is a Hebrew word for a matchmaker and shidduch is the match. The song Matchmaker from Fiddler on the Roof is about a woman imagining what a good shidduch, the shadchen, may bring her way. Shidduch Shadkin. It's crazy, really, this language. The concept of a good shidduch extends beyond dating and marriage. A business introduction can be a shidduch, as can a friendship introduction for someone new in town. A shidduch is just a way of saying a match, right? Whether it's friends, business partners, or lovers. Oh, make a good shidduch, right? If you make a shidduch, the person who makes a good match is a shadkin. Now, it is a profession. Being a shodkin is someone who professionally makes love matches, but you can be a little junior shodkin if you make a match. Ultimately, asking for a shidduch is a good thing. You're reaching out and asking for help, giving someone an opportunity to do an act of chesed, right? You're giving someone the opportunity to do something kind, right, to you. Feeding pigeons, making an introduction, it's all the same. It's an act of loving kindness. Now, no matter what you call it, shidduch, networking, making a match, when you ask someone to make a connection for you, it gives them the opportunity to perform an act of chesed or participate in your life in a compassionate way. Let's go a little deeper. When you do this, right, when someone does this, they are helping you and engaging in the concept of tikkun olam, repairing the world, another Hebrew concept, repairing the world. 
You're giving your shadchan an opportunity to make the world a better place by connecting two nodes on the network, right? Okay, one more Yiddish term. Oh, I love this one. Shep naches. When someone's shepping naches, right? That I just put the, the English ing on the end of shep to make it shepping naches. Shepping naches is the pleasure you derive from someone else's accomplishments. When you hear that your best friend is getting married, assuming you like their spouse or having a baby or that she received a major promotion at work, this gives you the opportunity to shep naches. When someone has good news that has absolutely nothing to do with you, but you feel good because they feel good, boom, you're shepping naches. It's the tingling of joy that you experience when you hear someone else's good news. I mean, we all had this huge cultural naches schlep in 1969 when a man landed on the moon. Everyone went, you weren't touching the moon, baby. You probably didn't know buzz. But like, humanity made it to the moon. We're all shepping nachas, right? That's that tingly moment. Your sports team wins, right? You go see a, well, I used to love seeing Prince back in the day. You go to a good Prince concert and he rocks out a song. I got to find someone who's not from the 80s. But like, you go somewhere and you listen to music. You shep nachas. You're feeling joy from the experience of that performance. You can't sing for a dime, but when that person sings, you feel great. Shepping Nachas. They're doing great. You feel good because of this accomplishment. When you call someone to say, I'm engaged, and they get all excited, they're Shepping Nachas. If you tell them that you're marrying the person that they introduced you to, right, that they were your Shadchan, and they made this Shidduch, can you even imagine that exquisite feeling of joy they had for really creating this marriage? And when you have good news to share and you share it with those close to you, you allow those people to shep nachas, right? They are in the joy with you. Get it? Got it? Mazel tov. Congratulations. Moving on. Let's start shepping nachas. First idea here. This is not Yiddish. This is just basic stuff. Number one, I want you to talk about yourself like your best friend does. In order to make the best use of the introductions that will be coming your way, it's best to have a handy description of who you are, what you have to offer, and what you want. The good news is that based on the first two chapters, you dug deep into your smart goal setting and the whole life model. You know what's important to you, right? You know what you have to offer, And you know what you want. You know what you're going for. You know your goal. There's a great book by Debbie Stone called The Art of Self-Promotion. It's short and it's useful. And you guessed it, it's on the subject of self-promotion. I've recommended it to clients in part because of a simple concept that helps you to reframe the way you talk about yourself. She suggests that instead of promoting yourself, promote your best friend. Instead of writing your bio, write your best friend's bio. Often we are much better at singing the praises of our loved ones than we are at singing our own praises. Now, if that's true for you, let's use that awareness as you move forward, connecting and expanding with your network. Talk about yourself the way your best friend does. As you pursue your goal, you'll need to meet new people. You're going to need to tell them who you are, what you've done, and how you can be useful to them. And of course, there will be your ask. What do you want from them? Do you want to learn about their career transition? Do you want an introduction to someone? Do you want a brainstorm? 
Get clear on what you're asking of them and what you have to offer. Ask for what you need. The person you are speaking to wants to help you. The clearer you are with what you need, the easier it will be for them to help you. Remember, they can't read your mind and you aren't being pushy. You're helping them help you. Here's a great networking story that takes place at one of the best venues for networking, a family wedding. (laughs) Soon after I began working with Christine, a career-changing client, her brother was getting married. She had worked as the director of a school district's art department for a decade, and her job was eliminated. She had tried to find more opportunities in education and hadn't had success. Of course, she was looking forward to her brother's wedding, but she was absolutely dreading the conversations she anticipated having with well-intentioned loved ones who would be worried about her job situation. She knew people would ask what she was doing, and she didn't know how she was going to reply. In our work together, she was excited about the process of career coaching. She had planned to take six months to travel, to reset. She was turning 40. She was also thinking of pivoting her career out of schools and into arts administration. Although she wasn't working, she was doing a lot and had a lot of stories to tell. What an opportunity. She was about to be in a room with a 100 people who love her and have known her all her life. This was a huge opportunity for her to share her story, which was, I hired a coach. I'm taking the next six months to travel. I'm considering a pivot into arts administration. Hey, I'd love your support. May I call you next month to see if you know anyone in the field who I can talk to, right? She didn't have to be on the receiving end of an inquisition. She had her own stories to share. So she marched off to that wedding with a twinkle in her eye. Instead of being embarrassed of the job she didn't have, she flipped the story to focus on what she was working on. She let everyone know she was taking advantage of the downtime to do something different and then said, hey, I'd love your help. Let me connect with you in a couple weeks. Reflection stop point. Have you ever been introduced at a party, before a speaking opportunity, or via email? Well, if so, typically the person doing the introducing says something nice about you. When has this happened? Who introduced you and to whom? And what did they say about you? If you had to give a speech and had to choose someone to introduce you, Who would it be and why? Who do you admire? Who is someone you know that you think highly of? If you had one minute to introduce them before receiving an award, what would you say about them? Here's an action stop point. Think of a person you'd like to be introduced to, someone a friend of yours might know. Play the role of that intermediary, right? Be the friend and write a letter of introduction on your behalf. Be sure to explain what you uniquely offer, what you need, and how that person that you want to meet would benefit from knowing you and helping you. Okay, here's your last action stop point. Now, listen up. If there's anything that I want you to do in this podcast course, it's this. This question and the last question, man, this is it, right? This is setting the stage for you getting what you want. So please listen up and do this. Find a best friend or a partner and write what's so amazing about them. Have them write 
What is so amazing about you with respect to your goal, of course? Why are you the right person to pursue this goal right now? Why will you achieve this goal? Refine this into a bio. Refine this statement into an introductory email, right? Take you, your attributes, your values, your qualifications, your goal. Explain why this person is going to do this. But don't you write it. Have your best friend write it. You can write it also if you want to. Write it. Write why this is going to happen and why it's meaningful. This is a flip from the smarkle, right? Your smarkle, you looked at it, why it was meaningful, why it was going to be happening now. But this is different, right? This is someone putting it into prose in a way that you can use in future introductory emails. One of the ways I've seen my clients really reach out to people successfully is with the simple ask, do you have 15 minutes for a couple questions? In the last chapter, Emma wrote a letter to an old friend simply to reconnect, right? No agenda. When Emma reached out, it was for no other reason than the pure joy of remembering and reconnecting with her old friend. She wanted to give that friend a gift of knowing she was thought of. That's it. Now, when you remember that old friend and think, I wonder what they're up to, you might as well just reach out. You don't know what could result from creating this new possibility. When Emma went to meet her, she wasn't thinking of asking for any favors. She did know that one of the things she needed was a new place to stay. Emma's friend immediately put one and one together and saw an opportunity for Emma that Emma didn't know existed, the opportunity for Emma to live in this mother-in-law suite. Be prepared for synchronicity, for creation, for something new to happen that you can't conceive of on your own. Here's a story I love about an unexpected connection. Kelly graduated from college six years ago. After college, she worked in California, the Pacific Northwest, even Alaska. When she came to me, she was living back at home in New Jersey, nursing an interest in urban planning, but really not sure where to start. I asked Kelly about people who had been helpful in her professional past, and she spoke of a woman named Mary in her college career placement department who helped her score a plum job on Catalina Island. Now, could Mary be helpful now? That very week, Kelly called Mary and asked, who do you know in urban planning here in New Jersey? She wasn't expecting much. Mary actually didn't know anyone in the area because the university was in Florida. However, Mary mentioned that one of the professors at the university was originally from Montclair, New Jersey, which is the next town over from where Kelly grew up. So Kelly wrote an email to this professor from Montclair, now living in Florida, asking if he'd be willing to speak with her. And guess what? She received a response in 15 minutes. He said, how about you give me a call now? Here's my number. Now, to say that Kelly hated calling people was a vast understatement. I once saw her throw her cell phone across my office after she wrote a text to someone asking for a favor. So, like, Kelly hated hated the ask. And she procrastinated networking like a pro. But in this case, she didn't have the opportunity to procrastinate, right? She had no choice. The professor said, call me now, go. She didn't have time to overthink it, so she picked up the phone and just dialed they had an incredible phone call. The professor knew the town well and was able to share ideas for people to contact and places to look for part-time work right in her backyard. 
All of this was from her wonderful contact in the career placement department at her school who had helped her get a job across the country. Kelly was able to go from a position of not knowing anybody in urban planning to being connected with the urban planning VIPs in her own backyard. It was quick and easy networking. So now Kelly was on a roll. Since she knew what she wanted and she knew how to talk about herself in terms of what she'd done and what she wanted to do, just like you do now, she found herself sharing her urban planning aspirations with strangers. The next time Kelly was with her dog in the dog run, which is a great spot for social interactions with strangers, she casually mentioned her interest in urban planning. And don't you know it, the man she was talking to had a son in Vermont who worked in urban planning. I think he was going for a different kind of shidduch, but that's not the point. This man gave Kelly his son's phone number, and within the week, his son jumped on the phone with Kelly and had an hour-long conversation about urban planning. He helped point her in the right direction regarding continuing education and connected her to even more people and programs. Kelly knew her story. She knew what she wanted to do, and she knew how to ask for connections, despite the fact that she hated it. She was growing her network when she shared her story. Expanding your network goes beyond arithmetic, 3 plus 3 equals 6, to the exponential, 3 times 3 equals 9. When you grow your network, you're building on their experience, their knowledge, and their network. If you have 10 helpful connections, and each of those connections has 10 more helpful connections, and so on, it's easy to see how quickly the network of knowledge, experiences, and contacts can grow. When you're clear about what you're asking for, people can and will help. There is power in understanding your strengths, and it leads to synchronicity. As it is said, luck favors the prepared mind. If you're going to be doing the networking, you're going to be doing informational interviews. So I want to talk a bit about the art of the informational interview. Kelly was quickly mastering the art of informational interviews, which is the opportunity to speak with someone who has expertise in an area that you want to pursue. You are asking someone for some of their time so you can ask questions or gather information. When Kelly spoke with the professor, it was an informational interview. She wasn't interviewing for a job. She was learning about the world of urban planning from a knowledgeable source. The urban planner in Vermont was a similar situation. There was no specific job. She was just speaking with him about his path. In an informational interview, you're connecting with someone. The informational interview can be as simple as asking someone for 20 minutes of their time or as formal as a sit-down interview at the place you'd like to work. You don't necessarily ask for an informational interview, but it's implied. There are three basic phases to successfully obtaining and completing the interview. Number one, the ask. Number two, the interview. Number three, oh, don't forget this part, tie it up with a bow. Number one, the ask. In Kelly's story and Emma's story and Christine's story at her brother's wedding, you've seen a couple of successful ways to set up an informational interview, right? You have the friend make an introduction or you pursue the contact yourself. There is one scenario that wasn't revealed, pursuing someone you don't know for an informational interview. This is the top of the food chain. I'm often on the receiving end of the ask, so I can tell you what works for me. 
At least once a month, a coach-to-be finds me online and wants to talk to me about how I became a coach, how I set up my practice, etc. And I will always make myself available to someone who asks me in a professional way. I want to see that the person has done some research about me, as well as the profession. If they're able to pull up some facts about my life, which is easy to find in my bio on my website, or the field in general, that's a good sign. Also, I appreciate them asking for a specific amount of time, a 20-minute phone call, for example, and a specific date range. They need to let me know when they're available. Sometimes people offer to take me out to coffee or dinner, which I really appreciate, but in the interest of time, I don't usually accept. It's a nice offer, though. It's nice to be invited somewhere. Lastly, appreciation and a desire to contribute goes a long way. When someone lets me know they appreciate me taking time out of my schedule or that they're young and eager to make a contribution to the field, it means something to me. I'm happy to connect with people who start with gratitude and want to make a contribution. So in your ask, you want to demonstrate that you've done your homework. Ask about a specific time frame and demonstrate your passion, your interest, and your gratitude for the gift that person's gonna give you, their time. It's the ultimate non-renewable resource and they're gonna give you some of it. You gotta express the gratitude. Also, if you've reached out to someone via various methods like email, phone call, LinkedIn, and an introduction three to five times and they aren't responding, move on. There are plenty of fish in the sea, so fish where the fish are. I like the rule of threes. You ask three times over the course of one day, then three days later, then three days later. After the third ask, if there's no response, move on. That goes for following up. That goes for checking in. Three times you're done. You can try different modes, right? If they're a text person, if they're a phone person, try what they like. But after a couple times, move on. Number two, the interview itself. Now, the key to a good interview, any interview, is to be professional and be prepared. In terms of professionalism, there are a few simple ground rules. Be early, dress well, initiate the call if it's a phone call. As soon as you start the conversation, acknowledge the kindness being extended to you. Demonstrate gratitude and appreciation for the person sharing his or her time. As a side note, I've always loved the saying, early is on time, on time is late, and late is unacceptable. The attribution for that quote ranges from business books to the Prussian army. But now that you've heard it, it's going to be hard to get it out of your mind. So you're welcome. Now, once you've aced the above, which is truly little more than good manners, it's showtime. Bring a list of questions. Seriously, have the questions written down or thought out. You may only ask the first one and then you'll be deep into a terrific conversation. Having those questions, though, shows that you've done your research and you've been thoughtful about what you want to ask this person. They are giving you their time for free. They could be doing anything with this time, and they've donated it to you and your future. Be careful how you spend someone else's time. Once you start asking questions, you'll find that people love talking about themselves, seriously, with questions like, how did you get started in the field? How did you choose this field and why? And what do you like best about your field? You're going to be listening. People will dig back into their past and enjoy sharing these memories with you. 
And those are just the professional questions. What if you're asking a long married couple about the success of their relationship? Ask a woman how she was able to conceive at 45. A politician about how they got their first break. A female entrepreneur about how she built her business after divorce. The conversations will be stimulating and the questions themselves are exciting. If you enjoy preparing for your interview, your interviewee will enjoy the questions you ask. Almost counterintuitively, I've found that the more successful a person is, the more likely they are to talk to you. People at the top of their game are less harried and more likely to reach back to help people who want to get started. After they've enjoyed the conversation, they may very well introduce you to other people who can be helpful. Now, the last two questions, and these are really important, the last two questions to ask are, is there anything else you think I need to know? And is there anyone else you think I could talk to who might enjoy a conversation like this? That question gives you a path to take to your next conversation, right? Is there anyone who you think might need me or who I can be useful to, right? Those are all such good stimulating questions. Never a yes or no question. Always open-ended. And last, I told you this is the big one, tie it up with a bow. Now, this part, this is the key to making this wonderful person with whom you've had a wonderful conversation part of your network. It's the easiest part, and 99% of people don't do it. This one is the game changer, and you're going to be playing an A-level game, so here's the scoop. Do you remember Kelly and the professor who was ready to speak with her right away? Why did he do that? What was in it for him? Well, my guess is that he was excited that his student was close to his hometown and he was excited to talk about his past. He's also a professor, so it's fair to assume that he likes teaching and growing the next generation of professionals. Now, do you think this professor wants to hear about Kelly when she's interviewing for a job in urban planning in Montclair? with one of the people he recommended she get in touch with. You bet he does. He probably wants to know when that interview is set up. It gives him an opportunity to connect with an old colleague. You're helping him reinvigorate his network. Hear me on this. The absolute key to expanding your network is reconnecting with the new people who are helping you along the way. Send a thank you note after the conversation synthesizing your takeaways, what you learned from them and why it was valuable. You may want to send a small token of your appreciation, such as a book or another small gift that was relevant to your conversation, something memorable. Then follow up. If you use their suggestions or recommendations or followed up with their contacts, let them know. Follow up six months later when you get that job. Follow up two years later when you get a promotion. Trust me, they want to know. They're following your story. Remember, this is the moment to return the favor and let them shep naches. They're invested in your story. Let them have that moment of joy for something that they set in motion. There is an art to the informational interview, and once you've nailed it, you will have another person rooting for you and your goal. This is the most authentic way to expand your network. Here's a little networking story. 
Five years ago, my realtor approached me to see if I would speak with Bobby McFarland. He was the son of a friend. He had recently graduated from college and wanted to get into cooking. At that time, I was regularly appearing on the Today Show as a cooking expert. I had published two cookbooks and had my own cooking and travel show on Yahoo. I told my realtor to have Bobby reach out to me. So he wrote me a lovely email asking if he could take me out for a cup of coffee. I accepted. When he showed up to coffee, oh, Bobby brought a copy of my cookbook. He was holding my cookbook and he asked me to sign it. Then he told me which recipes he had tried and which ones he loved. I was impressed. Bobby had taken the time to buy my book, learn about what I do, and even recreate my recipes. He took his time getting to know more about me before he asked for my help. He brought his A-game. Before we even took our first sip of coffee, I was already thinking about who I could introduce him to. Bobby had just graduated college and wanted to break into cooking. He adored food personalities, especially Alton Brown, and possibly wanted to become a chef himself one day. More than anything, Bobby just loved to cook. He knew he was going to pursue food as more than a hobby, and he wanted my help to think through the best way to do it. Was culinary school the best way in, or was there a better alternative? He had just graduated from college. Was more expensive schooling the only way in? I reached back to the advice I had received when I was deciding whether or not to go to culinary school. Believe it or not, back in the day, a friend of mine knew Tom Colicchio. Yeah, that Tom Colicchio, the one who owns the craft restaurant chain, and you've seen him on Top Chef. She scored me an opportunity to observe the operations of his kitchen for a night, which is like the culinary equivalent of an informational interview, except while you're standing in the kitchen, they give you lots and lots and lots of food to eat. Tom told me that you don't need to go to school to learn how to cook. You need to learn how to cook to learn how to cook. If you show up in the right kitchen with the right attitude and in the kitchen, a beginning attitude is far more important than knowledge. That's how you learn. After all, Tom Colicchio never went to culinary school and he's doing pretty well. So I shared Tom's advice with Bobby. I told him that the number one thing that he needed to do that would differentiate him from all other food personalities, if that was his goal, was to cook. It might seem like common sense, but there are plenty of food writers who can't cook. I suggested he bypass expensive culinary school and build his chops in New York City kitchens. I also recommended that he continue to bring his A-game. Be in the kitchen first, leave the kitchen last, work hard, and make your commitment to the craft clear. If he could do that, he'd move up fast. And Bobby, because he's an A player, did exactly that. He went to work at some exceptional restaurants in Manhattan. Within three years, he was recruited to be the chef de cuisine at a new restaurant called Royale that was opening in North Carolina, and he is now the executive chef of their second restaurant, Lucarne. In their first year, this restaurant was honored as the best new restaurant by a local magazine. Bobby did it. He's just getting started. Bobby reached out to me because I was doing what he wanted to do. I was on camera, I was writing cookbooks, and I was cooking. He wanted to get into the profession quickly and intelligently. I gave him my advice. He followed it. And I will always remember Bobby. After all, I'm sharing his story with you. So here's the takeaway. Reach out to the people who've obtained the goal you seek. More often than not, they'll make time for you. In fact, it's really flattering to have someone want to learn from your story. When Bobby showed up with that cookbook, I was like, I was tickled. I was really flattered. And as for tying it up with a bow, 
(laughs) One week after our conversation, Bobby hand-delivered two pounds of bacon that he made to my house. It was the best bacon I have ever had. Ever. And I can't buy it. It was a homemade gift bestowed upon the very lucky by one fabulously talented up-and-coming chef. My husband still talks about that bacon. And since that time, Bobby and I have kept in touch. A couple years ago, I featured him on my first podcast, Find My Thrive. He was the most popular guest. And now instead of him asking me for my story, I'm writing about his story. Can you feel the naches I'm shepping? Ugh, the joy, the thrill of watching someone become their best self. And the taste of that bacon, man, I am plotzing. Plotzing, incidentally, is another Yiddish word that means like emotionally bursting or falling over with excitement. Bobby Bacon Plots. Here's your next action stop point. Right now, I'd like you to identify three people that are relevant to your goal that you don't know, but you'd like to meet. It could be a doctor. It could be some sort of a fertility expert, a lawyer, a career professional, someone who works at XYZ Company, someone who's really good in your field, like a role model, someone you want to meet. Three of those people who are three people you'd like to meet. Write a list of 10 questions for each person that you'd like to ask them. Don't overthink it. Just let it flow. There's a reason you want to meet them. Dream big. Next action. Who have you connected with already that you might want to reach back to and thank? Who can you reach out to and express gratitude? Think of three to five people and write those notes. Again, don't overthink it. People enjoy hearing from you. The entire holiday card industry is built on this premise for a reason. A personalized hello is wanted, appreciated, and can often make someone's day. You've got this. If you have a network of 1,000 people and each of those people has a network of 1,000, you're very well connected. Think of yourself sitting on a node of a web with 1,000 spokes, and each of these spokes leads to another node with 1,000 spokes. Soon you'll realize how incredibly well connected you are in a tight network. The people you want to know and don't know yet are often right within your network. Life is full of opportunities, and we don't all know about the same ones. The people around you right now know about opportunities that you're not aware of. Chances are, if they know you're looking for something, they would love to share what they know with you. Let your friends introduce you and expose you to opportunity. When the people who adore you and love you connect you with others, those others are predisposed to like you because of your common denominator. Have your friends make introductions whenever possible so everybody is primed for a positive relationship. Of course, once your friend has written that email, it's on you to follow up. You still have to be your own advocate to make things happen, even when you're accepting the help of the network. Let me say this again in a different way. It's your responsibility to take the hand that's extended to you. Bobby had his introduction. Bobby nailed that meeting. And just like you tied up your informational interviews with a bow, it's important to circle back to your friend who made the connection for you. Remember, they are invested in you too. Be sure to express the gratitude you have to those who help you. 
That's actually part of episode four, right? That's part of a happiness practice. Go back to episode four if you've forgotten how beneficial it is to express gratitude. And remember, these same people who are helping you today will come to you one day because someone they know needs your help. Let them know you'll be there for them as well. You've been helped, prepare to be helpful. You are a node on the network. Someday someone will be grateful to speak with you. Okay, revolutionaries, we are at the end of episode six. Phew, we're just climbing up that mountain, baby. So you've identified your goal. You've made sure it's the right goal for you based on your life. You've identified actions to take to increase your happiness and creativity. You've looked at the people who love you the most and given lots of warm hugs. Now you're making a reach, right? You're extending past the people you know into people you want to know and figuring out how you can introduce yourself, how you can be of service to them, and how you can connect and leave them thinking, damn, that person's awesome. I can't wait to follow their story. Congratulations. This is a big chapter. We're in the meat of it now. It's time to take action. So first, let's go to your insights and actions for this week. First, insights. What ideas were shared today that resonated with you? What was powerful? Was it tying things up with a bow? Was it one of the stories? Was it Kelly? Was it Bobby? What resonated with you? What made sense? What did you think? I want to do that. Ooh, that feels really good. Ooh, that's scary, but I'm going to give it a go. Was it throwing the cell phone across the room? What really worked for you? Give me three examples of ideas that worked for you today that you want to try. Now, go back, look at the notes you've taken, right? Look at your action steps, look at your insights, look at the notes you've taken on your own ideas. What were the most useful? Again, give me three, three very useful ideas that you wrote down, your own ideas from this episode. Now it's time for actions. Write down three actions that you wanna take based on this episode. And last, write down five actions that you want to take toward your goal. Can be from this episode. It can be stuff from last time. Five actions you will take this week toward your goal. A total of eight actions this week. Let's do it. We are in the middle of this. Let's do it. 